This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. you Jesus we just love you we just love you this morning you are worthy this morning you are worthy waves of your love to this place this morning we say yes to you Jesus it is all about you this morning Jesus it is all about you this morning Jesus we give you the glory you are worthy 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 I love you Jesus Oh, he's so good. I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you servants. (laughs) I call you friends. Because a servant has no clue. Doesn't know what's going on. He has no idea how to interpret my heart. Because I tell all the stuff that's going on in there to my friends. I love the passion version. Passion version says this. John 15, 15. It says, I never called you servant. Oh, we love you, Jesus. I knew where I was going to start till I got up here. All right, you ready? All right, we'll put this down here. 
I am excited. This is a home for me, really is. It's been several years, five years now. I mean, it's, I know there's some have been here since the, the dug the first shovel right there, but I am, I'm just blessed to be here. And, I, and I, every time I come, I am more grateful, more thankful to be connected to these guys, to be part of this house, because there's just a yes, an open heaven over this place. I, uh, I'm not going to say that. I, was gonna, I asked for the password to the, to the Wi-Fi. Now I just gave it away. Does everybody know? Because now your Wi-Fi is going to be really slow. There's an open heaven over this place and possibly a Wi-Fi password. Possibly a Wi-Fi password in, in what I just said as well. But there is. There is an open heaven. You walk into this place and the glory is in this place. The manifest presence there is available where two or more gathered, a greater a, a understanding, a greater access to the heart of our friend Jesus. He doesn't want to be our boss. He wants to be our friend. He wants to tell us what's in his heart. He wants to, you to know how he's thinking and what he is motivated and what motivates him to do this and what motivates him to do that so that you too can live as an expression of his heart in you. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, these sayings. I, 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 I'm a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start now. There's these, there's a, you ever get these sayings and you don't know where they came from? Like, uh, like you know, I get like you hit it out of the park, right? That, you understand that? That's a phrase. Ball is a home run. That's a good thing. You hit it out of the park. I understand where that came from. Uh, you know, first step is always the hardest. That one's a little more confusing to me because it doesn't, hasn't, it seems the easiest. But, but I get it. You get it. You get it, right? Yeah. You know, a bird in uh, hand is better than two in the bush. Now we're starting to get a little more complicated. You, you know, you kind of got to think that one through. You know, and, and it, a, a bird in hand is better than two in, is it? You know, so you're stretched. You're getting stretched a little bit with that, with that saying, right? I know where it came from, and I know I'm not going to tell you, but I know that there are some in here right now who are really wanting to Google it. And one person that is, that's my wife, that's who she is, that's how she rolls. I like not knowing. <laughs> it's just more fun to imagine how they came up with it. Uh, you know, um, it's raining cats and dogs. That one makes no sense. And I know, again, I know the origin of that. Skeleton in the closet. Uh, I've always wondered about this. I've always wondered how... Uh, picturing everyone naked uh, is actually going to ease the nerves of a first-time public speaker. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive, right? Seems counterintuitive. I'm really nervous about standing. Oh my goodness! Now it's all like you know what I'm saying. I have no idea where that came from. And I never understood this saying, and this is the title this morning, you can't get there from here. I, I've ne I never understood it for years. I never understood it. You can't get there from here. Well, if I'm here and I need to get over there, then I can get there from here. Because when I get there and I was there when I was here, then I got there from here. You see what I'm saying? Like you could go distance. You could go to the moon. But if I get to the moon and I started here, then when I'm there, I got there from here. Does that make sense? I've never understood this saying. I'm sorry. I don't understand. I don't understand the saying. For years, I would just have fun with this. No, I'm pretty sure you can get there from here. How else do you get there if not from here? Right? Right? 
I was driving with my brother about five years ago. We were on our way to um, a, a youth conference in, um, uh, in Lexington. And, uh, and we, were, we were on our way there, and we, we, it was right after Christmas, and, and I was the navigator, so uh, that just means that I hold the Siri, and then when Siri says turn left, I go, hey, turn left. That's how that works, you know, because we don't have to think anymore. And uh, we were, it was late, and uh, we, we were pulling in, we were trying to get to our hotel, and, you know, we were right in the city, and so we're trying to get to our hotel, and we're, we're driving up this road, and uh, Siri says uh, left right here, and I can see the hotel, so I said left right up here. Siri saying, turn left, you know, it's so turn left right here. Joel, left, Joel, my brother, Joel, left. And then I look just up at the same time that he says, I can't turn left here, dude. And I realize that there's been erected a cement median, a cement wall, and it looks new. You can tell it was just put in, and Siri hadn't caught up. And uh, so as soon as, as Siri saying, recalculating as we're passing by, I, out of my mouth, I say, oh, you can't get there from here. <laughs> oh! That's what it means. It, it, it's this. If this is the road you're on, and that's where you need to get, sometimes you can't get there from here. You have to go get on a different road. Some of the thinking that we do over here when we want to get there, we'll cut us off from access to there. And we have to come over here to get to our destination. Oh, it's about the road I'm traveling. We were at church yesterday morning. Our church's new song, we're right up the road just north of Charlotte. We had a, a time together, uh, a six and a half hour time, about 70 folks gathered in, in the room just dreaming into this year. We do it every year. It's a really sweet thing. And I'm not on staff there. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, even really on the, on the board right now. I'm just a friend of the house. And call that place home church. So we were just there participating. And, and at one point, we were sitting around a table. There were about six of us there, myself included. And uh, we were just doing an exercise in which we were saying, hey, what would three ministries out of this house look like if people at this table were just to dream into three ministries. And th that was the instruction. And as soon as the instruction came, I, I, uh, I couldn't help uh, but, but say, well, guys, there's six of us at the table, uh, but um, you're only allowed to pick three, so which three of you guys don't want to talk? Because <laughs> I'm after something, right? Every person at the table is a ministry, yeah. right? One of my pet peeves, and I'll tell it to you because we're friends. Some places I wouldn't, but it's safe here. One of my pet peeves is when you hear the pastor give a real, and I've been at the church a long time. I've heard a lot of really good words. The pastor gives a really good word, really powerful. And you're just like, yes, and the whole room is yes, right? You got this yes in the room, and then, and then the pastor brings the application, and it looks like helping out on Sunday morning in the children's care, children's nursery. My heart is crushed, not because children's nursery isn't important. I was there last week. It was great. It's really important that speakers spend at least one Sunday with the littles. At least one so that when they're up here and there's four hours in, they can go, oh. I, I spent last Sunday with like 
12 two-year-old that was awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And I, I was the goldfish guy, so they loved me. <laughs> I, think, I think that the children's ministry is important. I think everyone, yeah. everyone in the family should be loving on our kids, right? This is, this is the family get-together. I'm not knocking. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, my heart breaks when the guy up here goes, gives this powerful message and then brings it down to the very smallest picture of how you can minister one time a week on a Sunday. And it gets so small. And so when I was sitting at that table, I was saying to these guys, I was saying, hey, there's, there's six of us at the table. That means there's at least six ministries here. Jesus, I was on the planet for 33 years right? And he's perfect ministry. Are we in agreement? It's not rocket science. It's Jesus. I can say a lot of things about him. He's perfect at all of them, all the good stuff, right? So he's perfect ministry as well. Now, most of us in our thinking would think about Jesus. And if you refer to Jesus's ministry, you'd think about the last three years of his life. Because in fairness, most of what's in those four books that are about the life of Jesus spend all their focus on the last three years, right? But how many know he was perfect ministry for 33 years? And for 30 of those years, he had one responsibility. Let's be friends. I want to know my father and how he feels about me. And I want to know him more today than I did yesterday. And I want to become more sure tomorrow than I am today. And it's all about his affection. I'm not doing anything right now except becoming sure with who my father is and who he says I am. Amen. Loving on my siblings and mom and dad and making a table. And that ministry is absolutely as important as the last three years. Yeah. He gets baptized. He goes baptized, right? We got two stories of Jesus. That's what we want. He's born. It's powerful. And then the 2012, the Who Lost Jesus story, right? <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. Two stories about the creator of the universe, love in human form. The one that we just sang about, the grand designer, walking and talking on planet Earth. The answer to every question that aches in the heart of this room and in the heart of every other room that's ever existed on the planet is walking and talking on the planet. And for 33 years, we have two stories and then he goes under the water. He comes up out of the water, baptized by his cousin. And the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit descends, rests upon him, and remains as a dove remains. And the Father says, this is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. This is perfect ministry. I'm revealing him now to all of you. Way to go, son. I'm well pleased with you did it. You just knocked it out of the park. You guys understand what knocked it out of the park means? That's that term. It's a good thing, right? You knock it out of the park. You did it, son. Way to go. I'm so pleased with you. You're my favorite. And perfect ministry then went on to do a few things. The things that made him famous. And he healed blind eyes, healed deaf ears, all the things that are burning in us. 
all the things we are mandated and called to do, encouraged to do, that we dream about doing, that we wake up in the morning salivating to get an opportunity for, yeah. that we're afraid to do because maybe we've got disappointments, but we're still leaning in. Right? And we got all these amazing stories about walking on water and, and turning water into wine. Those were just the fun for fun. He did those, those ones for fun. But he also, he also healed deaf ears and raised dead people back to life. Can I tell you, though? He didn't do it over here. Get ahead of myself. Years ago, uh, before we moved here, about 16 years ago, I had a season in life where I, I became a realist. Um, that's called an unbeliever. If <laughs> I, I was still saved, so I was a saved unbeliever. Yeah. <laughs> I'd experienced some great tragedies, some great disappointments. Some things I chased down with God and failed. It was one of my first major um, uh, places where I just, nothing worked. I just, I followed him right, right into the Garden of Gethsemane and tried to, I don't know, it was messy. And, uh, and my wife, I, I was, we were going back and forth. And, and I remember I was hanging out with a radical believer. God was just amazing. And he, uh, he, he, he had, he'd had this ministry blown up, and then he'd handed it off. And so he'd been rich, and he'd been poor. And then, he'd, and then he'd started this business, and he'd made a whole lot of, whole lot of money. And then he lost all that money because of a bad partnership and some stuff happened. And I, I came across his life right in this place where I was just, you know, I wasn't a, a, a pessimist because, I, again, I, I, I believed, I, I knew that was not good. I was a Christian, so I didn't want to be a pessimist. So I took the socially acceptable term within the church, realist, and I, and I, I adopted that because that felt good and it felt safe. And so I took that on, and, uh, but I was hanging around with this believer, and it was messing me up. At one point, I remember uh, I had a painting company, and I gave him some work. I said, come paint with us. It'll, it'll bless you. And so he came, and he, he's painting a garage. Now, I lived in Jackson, Mississippi at the time. Now, Jackson, Mississippi um, is located on a map right next to hell. Um, <laughs> Not, not really. I'm just telling you, really what I'm saying, it's really hot in Jackson. It's really, really hot. If you think it's hot here, you haven't been to Jackson, okay? It's just, it's that humid heat that just, you can't breathe. And I'm a, I, I'm a, I was a Canadian kid too, so I came down there. So, so there I am, and I've got a painting company, and I'm working outside, and I'm by the sweat of my brow, right? And I bring this friend of mine, and I give him work, and I want to help him. And so he comes, he's not a very good painter. And so I'm paying him 200 bucks a day, and that's being generous, right? But I want to help him. But I also know this. I'm paying him 200 bucks a day, and I know his bills, and I know that will barely scratch the surface of his grocery bill, right? And he's out there whistling while he works. Just, dude, I love you, Jesus. He's painting horribly. I love you, Jesus, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm, here's the thing. I am, I am out there painting, and I'm miserable, because the promises of God have failed, everything's failed, and nothing's working out. I'm a saved unbeliever. And I remember going home and talking to my wife and saying, I'm just, you know, I can't, I can't, uh, I, I, I don't, I was talking about him, and I was trying to process it and protecting my heart. I'd been hurt, you know, and so I was protecting my heart. Uh, if you haven't been to church your whole life, then you haven't been hurt, you know. That's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. You have no right to your offense, but 
but uh, it can be offensive. I said to my wife, I said, I'm a, I, I was wrestling through, I hadn't come with the terminology yet, my wife was the one right alongside me, she said, baby, you're not, you're not an unbeliever, you're not, she wasn't saying that, she's like, it's not unbelief, it's not unbelief, you're just a realist, she said that to me, right, and I went, oh, I like that word, and I adopted that word because it made me feel good, I'm a realist, right, but, and so I, I started saying this, I said, it's not a glass half empty, it's not a glass half full, it's just half, because that's a realist, right? But how many know that God isn't a realist? You know what he can do with a drop? Probably 5,000 people could drink, maybe 1,500, 15,000 women should, right? Right? Like, look, a realist would see a blind man and go, well, you can't blind buy McCain. That's what a realist would do. But Jesus healed blind people. He's not a realist. Amen? And so I got confronted with this by this friend of mine, and I repented. I realized, oh my goodness, I realized it had become a part of my psyche everywhere I went. I would interact with people, and to protect my heart, I would, would interact with them like a realist, right? And I realized this was happening, so I had this moment of deep repentance. I was on, I remember the bathroom floor, I, was, I, I call it my, my cross season, where I just, everything I have is yours, it's all yours. I lay down even my ex even my expectations, even the promises that you've given me, I give them back to you. That was the moment in my life. It was a great big shift in my life. And out of that moment, I began to be transformed. And I remember I would, I'd be talking to people, and I'd realized there was this unbelief in my life. I only wanted to believe, and that was it. There was, no, there was either believing or unbelief. That's all there is. There's, no, there's the only options for you guys. That's the only options. We get to believe or there's unbelief. Amen. Amen. So I began to practice this, put it into practice, and I, and I realized people would talk to me, have conversations, and I would, I would hear them and immediately begin to think of why it wouldn't work, and immediately I'd be repenting the whole time in my mind going, this is why it would work, and this is, he's my God, and, and I was practicing this, but I remember the, the one day, it was really tough, I was out painting on my own in the corner of hell, and I was there, and we were just putting the paint on the wall, you know, and I was sweating, and I was just, I was dying, and I remember saying to God, God, I, I said, I... I said, I, I need a switch, because right now the feelings are, it's, I'm having a hard time believing right now. I need a switch. Do you have a switch? I wasn't expecting an answer, but he gave me an answer. The answer was simple. He said, yeah, son, obey. And he said, you're doing good. And now you got to understand, some people might hear that go, ooh, I heard that one. Oh, awesome, there's a switch. Oh, he just gave me a switch. Obey. I can do that. I can do that. So I began to obey. Just practiced obedience. Just obeyed. Became this great value. It's not that it wasn't one before. I was just living it. And I wrote this album out of that, and it became a book, and those books became other books called Surrendered and Untamed. It's actually back there now called Untamed. We rewrote it. But the, the context of this message, it became my life's message, is to the extent that you live surrendered is to the extent you can live passionately, radically untamed. Amen? Like, to the extent that you've given him everything is to the extent that he gives you everything, right? Like, there's this great thing that goes back to the extent that you are grounded and rooted and established in love is to the extent that you can live as a manifestation of his love on earth. Amen? And all the things, desires in your heart, they're actually safe desires. They're actually beautiful desires. You can actually run after them with great uh, passion and abandon. Amen? 
this was the message. And, and what's funny, at that point in time, we had two kids. We were, uh, um, we, I remember when our third one came, we began to realize God was choreographing this great life's message in the names of our kids. My, my daughter came. Her name is Madeline, and we named her Madeline True. And she is. She's a straight arrow. She's a straight shooter. And then Ethan, my son, came. We, we had Ethan. And then we were laying in bed one night praying over his middle name. And my, my wife was reading this book called Wild at Heart. And uh, you know that book, it's about the, the uh, John Aldridge. It's about the heart of a man. My wife is trying to understand the fellow she's married to. <laughs> she's also thinking about, the, the, she's got a boy, right? So she's thinking, I want. And so she's reading it, and one night she whispers to me in bed, she says, middle name. She's like, what about, what about wild? I go, 30 seconds past, I go, I wish my middle name was wild. <laughs> and, so, and so we have an Ethan Wild, and we put an E on the end of it just to bring some class sophistication, but we're not, but, but we're not taming it. It's not, we're not taming it, right? It's just... It's like we're, we're claiming that word. That's a holy word. We should be wild, right? And so, so, uh, so then our third child came along, Eva, and we were praying about Eva. She's named after her grandmother, Eva. And as we were praying about Eva, we realized that we've got to begin to choreograph some of our life's message in our kids, in the, in our name, in the names of our kids. And so as we were praying about Eva, we knew prophetically that it was this, like, I could see, like, brilliance or fire or glory or manifest destiny. No. That, could you imagine? One day, my wife calls me, and she says, Blaze. And immediately, I went, yes, that's it. And here's the cool thing. When you live surrendered and untamed, you change the world. When you live true and wild, you set the world on fire. Amen? Isn't that fun? And so I began to grow in this, in this season uh, of, of, of discovering... Uh, who he is, and I began to grow, and, and, and really, this is how I grew. I grew out of obedience. Just obey. Just obey, son. But I want to tell you something. Hear me. Our Father has no desire to have a relationship with you based on your obedience. It's not why Jesus came. My son, the one named Wild, he, he's, he's true to his name. I tell a lot of stories. I tell a lot of stories about my kids. And uh, I tell a lot of stories about my, uh, my daughters. They t tend to get the cuddly ones. Ethan tends to get some of the troublemaker ones. You know. But I got cuddly ones with Ethan. He does seem to get the, actually the other day my daughter, my 19 year old, she asked, Dad, why aren't you telling stories about me now? Like, come on, you know? And, uh, and so here's one I just came to my memory. She, uh, I don't tell stories about her now because she's just perfect. She is though. She's amazing. She's perfect. I mean, she's a hard worker, all that stuff. And then if, if she does get something she's wrestling with, it's probably not the time to be talking about it. But she's, she's stunning, and I, I, I tell her all the time how proud I am of her. And the other day, I was telling her, I said, I'm proud of you, honey. And she, she said, Dad, you know, you say that all the time. And I'm like, I'm sorry? She's like, yeah, like all the time you, you say you're proud of me. Like, maybe you should hold back a few times so it means more. Like, it's just this endless, repetitive, I'm proud of you, Dad. Like, I know you're proud of me. And she's being sarcastic. But I started getting sarcastic back with her. I was like, so are you saying that that's your father wound? 
everybody, we have this thing in our house, everybody's got a father wound, you know? She's like, yeah, dad, that's my father wound. If you could just hold back on that, I'm proud of you. And so we're going back and forth. This has been an on-running joke. Last, last, or two nights ago, she came in, she was sharing some stuff she's working through and wrestling through, and we were just going back and forth, and I was giving her some thoughts on it and back and forth. And, and it was about one o'clock in the morning, so it was time to go to bed, and she's headed off and said, hey, babe, I love you. And, uh, and she said, thanks, Dad. And she walked, started to walk away. I went, oh, hey, I'm sorry. She went, what? I'm like, I know you don't want me to say that as much. I'm sorry. Forget you heard it. <laughs> just, just forget I said it. I don't, I, but I am. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's just a memory. A, now I can go home and tell her I, t I told a story about her. <laughs> but Ethan, Ethan is my, my son. Whom I love, and, and uh, <laughs> on the heels of what I just said, they're all my favorite. They all know it. That's our language. I I, I tell them all, "You're my favorite." No, don't tell the others. And then I go, "You're my favorite." It's true. Every time I say it, too. That's how love works. Um. Well, Ethan, Ethan is the son that I want to use for this, this uh, metaphor or whatever, so I can put this, give you a point. You ready? <laughs> it's a little peek into what we're doing right now. Uh, Ethan likes food. He likes food, man. I mean, like, you know, like, that's his, that's his love language. Like, like last, last month, or last week, he literally drove 34 35 minutes to go, and thanks, man, I appreciate it, 35 minutes to uh, go and meet with um, grandma, the, both sets of grandparents because they were going out to a steak place, and he knew that if he showed up while they were there, they'd feed him. <laughs> and then he sent, and then he, he's 17, so he's got his own license, own car, he spent his money on his gas just to drive 35 minutes because he heard the two grandparents were getting together to have steak at this steak place. Showed up, didn't even tell me he was coming, just showed up, and then he sent pictures of the, of the steak to his mom. He texted pictures of the steak to his mom. Check this out, $19. Nani said I had to get the one wrapped in bacon. So it's always been a thing with my son, right? But here's the deal. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have, I, I like juice. I like food too. I like, but there's, I'm going to tell you a juice story. We, have, we, we, we had a season in our life, and some of you are in this season right now, where, where we would buy juice, and we would take it home, and we would put it in the fridge, and we would turn around, and then when we went back to open the fridge and have the juice, there would be, and just this much left. There was always just this much left. You'd pull it out, and, you, and there was just this much left, because for some reason, kids leave this much in the, in the refrigerator. And so you come back, and there's, there's no juice left. Who wants this much juice. Nobody. And so, you know what I'm saying? And so we had to make a rule. We had to make a rule, and specifically for my son, we had to make a rule. Listen, one glass of juice a day, and I'm serious about this. One glass of juice a day. And so he goes into the cupboard and he immediately picks out this big glass. I'm like, not that glass. And I go in there and I said, this is the glass. This is the rule. This glass right here, that's the glass. But before I did that, you got to understand, I came down one stairs. Before I actually, first I said one glass, right? I come downstairs one day. He's found the 32 ounce, right? This is before I gave him the glass. I come downstairs. He's 
32 ounce, I don't even know where he found this big gulp glass, but it's filled with orange juice, right up to the top of orange juice. I come down, I'm like, dude, do you not understand the rule? Like, he's like, dad, it's one glass, right? So then I go in, this is the one, and then we settled, this is the glass. I came down, I'm not lying, I came down another time, glass is on the, on the counter, he is pouring the juice into the counter while he slurps the juice out of the glass. There are a thousand ways, there are a thousand ways that he could have figured out. It's, it's so frustrating. You would, you would, you would, he would come, he'd have his juice and then the friend would come over and then, and then mom would say, you guys can have juice and he'd have more juice and then later we'd be like, hey, did you have two glasses? Like, mom said I could. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that kind of stuff where you're just like, man, like, I, I can't, I, I, this is a full-time job. Just making laws on top of laws, on top of laws, on top of laws, on top of laws to get him to just have, so that I can have some juice. <laughs> because I like juice. And so I, 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 I'm so frustrated. And, and he, but you got to understand, this is what I'm actually passionate about. My goal, and I tell my son this all the time, my, son, my, goal, my goal isn't to, to micromanage your juice usage. I got, I got other things to do with my life. My goal is that you would get a hold of my heart for a juice culture in our house of generosity so that you could live confident in control of yourself, valuing my value system, and everybody would get juice. Right? Right? There's some people in here right now trying to figure it out. I, I knew a mom in this season who, who told her kids she had two juices in there. She said, I peed in one of them. Yeah. I don't know if she actually did it or not, but it worked. It worked. There was juice left. But I'm telling you, at my house, that probably wouldn't have worked. Because my son liked juice, man. He just liked juice. Here's the deal, and you guys are getting it. My, the goal in my heart, this is the goal of, of a parent. The goal isn't to micromanage your kids. The goal isn't even obedience. Why, why is obedience important? Obedience is the gift of discovering the heart of the father. It's the gift you give him to discover his culture. It's the gift you give him that when you don't understand, when you are immature and you don't have the ability to access what he's thinking. You see, a servant is, is a servant, but is still a son. Do you understand that Jesus was the greatest servant of all, but he never left sonship to serve? Yeah. It's a big deal. So Jesus is a servant, but the servant place is really this gift you give to a father that you don't understand and, be, and, and you want to. And so you lay your life down from this place of service. I believe that we are called to be servants, but we aren't called to be uh, uh, desperate. My heart for my son isn't that I would somehow control his juice intake, because how many know that there's also chips, and there's also bedtime, and there's also teeth? The goal of parenting is that they would, 
develop the same value system that I have and that they would begin to take on my DNA as their own DNA and that the true freedom that they ac I actually want is I want my son to be, be able to actually get up and, and, and the goal is that someday my son can go into the fridge, he can assess how much juice is there, look around and see there's other four other people in the house and make a decision that is about generosity because that's the heart of the house, amen? There was a, you've heard this before, it's the parable of the, uh, uh, the prodigal son. It's about juice. Amen. <laughs> Here's the deal. There's a, there's a younger son, and he's in the house, and he's tired of one juice a day. He's just sick and tired of it. Stupid. And so he... He asks for his dad's money. He's done. I'm done. Out of here. And he gets a whole pile of money. And then he just goes around just buying juice willy-nilly. <laughs> juice for everybody. Juice for my friends. It's Luke 15. It is about juice, but not literally about juice. But it is a son who who doesn't understand his father, asks for his inheritance, takes the money, goes and spends it in every self-centered way conceivable, and uh, runs out of money about the time the, the, the economy hits a depression. You know the story. The economy hits a depression, and he finds himself uh, working uh, at a pig farm. He's feeding pigs, and the pigs are eating better than he is. And it's pretty bad. And all of a sudden, he has this memory. He has this memory of of the, his house, his father's house, and he remembers how his dad, the good master, and how the servants in his father's house have plenty to eat. And this epiphany, this moment of shift in his thinking, all of a sudden empowers him to repent, and he begins the step of repentance. He says, I'll go home and be a servant in my father's house, which, by the way, is the first time he'd ever had that thought, truly. And he's on his way home. You know the story. He's on his way home to meet with his father. His father comes running out and embraces him. This is one of our favorite stories, right? Embraces him, spins him around, and dances and everything, and says, come on, son. He takes him into the house, and he says, come on, let's have some juice, <laughs> right? Like, here's what happens. Like, the father comes. The father comes, he says, let's throw a party, and he throws a party, and they're in there, and you know what's going on. They're sitting around, there's, everybody's hanging out, and there's juice flowing like everywhere, and all of a sudden, everybody's drinking, but the, and, the, and, the, and the son is pouring juice for all the servants. He's going around, he's, there you go, you have some, and he catches the father's eye, and they laugh together, right? Yeah. Do you understand what happened? Here's what happened. I'm done with juice. You guys okay? <laughs> Here's what happens. The, the revelation of the good master is enough to bring him home. So he's over here, and all of a sudden he goes, I don't have to understand, because that's, that's what obedience is about. So I don't have to understand. That's what serving is about. It's like, it's because here's, a servant doesn't know the heart of the master. He tells everything that is in his heart to his friends. So when, when you don't understand the heart of the master, when you don't get the culture that's going on, your best thing you can do is say, I lay my life down, I serve you, and I obey. And so that's what the son does. He goes, oh, I, I, don't, I don't understand what was going on. I don't get it, but I know this about him. He's good. That's always the point, right? He's good. 
He's better than I thought he was. I just got a revelation of his goodness. It's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads us to repent. Right? So that's what happens. He goes, oh, it's good. He's still thinking master, though. He's still thinking. But that revelation is, is powerful enough to bring him home. But he doesn't come home to the master. He comes home to the father. Amen? Now, here's the thing. There's an older brother. And this older brother, I'm not done with juice. I'm telling you, it still works. This older brother, he likes one juice a day. Fits right in with him. One a day, baby, I can do that. I'm better than my younger brother. It's never been a problem. I can't understand him why he's always sneaking two juices. Just have one a day. Just do what dad says. Obey. So he makes the older brother... The older brother is living over here firmly, still has no idea who the father is. And when the son, when his brother comes home, the father's celebrating him. They're just having this great big celebration. The older brother, he walks into the room, he, or he walks in up to the thing. What's going on? There's a party, and they've killed, the, they've killed this goat. They're having this great big party, and what's going on? And he won't go in. He's not going to go in. Now, you've got to understand, this guy has been really good at obedience. That's why I say obedience isn't his goal for us. It's the invitation into his heart. It's the invitation into intimacy. It's the invitation into friendship. It's the invitation into becoming sons and daughters. But it isn't his goal. My goal for my son isn't that we have rules for the rest of our life about juice or anything else for that matter. And so the older brother comes home and he's firmly over here and he, and he literally says, I've been slaving for you. I've been slaving for you. And the father says, come on in. Why would you slave? Everything, you ha everything I have is yours. You know the story, right? And so here's the older brother. Here's the thing that's dangerous that we've all experienced. In fact, it's a wonderful thing to pray about being hurt within the church because I know a whole lot of passionate, obedient people who end up making obedience their gospel and actually end up defying God in the process. You see, you had an older brother who made obedience the point of connection with his father, the point of their connection, their relationship. It was all about obedience. And because of that, when, when he, his father begins to do something he doesn't understand, he has no access to his heart. Why? Because a slave doesn't know what's in the heart of the master. But you have met a lot of slaves who are really good at slaving and then go on to tell you they actually decide to tell you the motivation of the master's heart. That's pretty scary. You ever met a slave who tells you the motivation of the master's heart and how he feels about you? It's pretty scary stuff. It's like Peter going into a garden, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, passionately in love with Jesus, taking someone's head off. He says, I, he says, uh, I know you've got to be willing to die for Jesus. That's true. Just take up your cross and follow me. But he also thought you had to be willing to kill for Jesus. Why? Because he put his faith in his love instead of in God's love. And the older brother put his faith in his obedience instead of the nature of his father. And literally found himself now against his father. Outside of the thing he even worships. That's called hypocrisy. It's why I say my passion for my kids isn't obedience. That's the when we have the conversation, obedience is absolutely important. Remember, he told me, I said, where's the switch? He said, just obey. 
But obedience is always meant to be done as a son who says, I don't know, I don't understand, but I'll give you everything I have. And it's an invitation to come into friendship where he tells you all that's in his heart and suddenly you have access to his heart motivations and his heart motivations become your heart motivations and now you're walking and talking and you're not actually having to operate out of any type of principle because you understand that a servant life is just a principle-based life. It isn't a presence-based life. It isn't an intimacy-based life and you actually can't get there from here. If there is on earth as it is in heaven, you can't do it from here. You can only do it from here. Never called you, sir. Man, I think that's the best definition. I think for... See, we, uh, we're a church that spends a whole lot of our time and a whole lot of our energy and a whole lot of our content, if you go look, to, go, go, go look in a bookstore, on how to love God. Listen. Yeah, that's good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? But we love because he first loved us. And I think, I think where reformation actually happens is when friends or sons and daughters know how to be loved. Jesus spent 30 years learning how to be loved. And then he went and did the stuff. We're dreaming of doing. Not for him, but from him. Amen. I, uh, I'll tell you one more story and I'll close. I, I, I do feel like this is, we've got time for one. Can I go a little further? I know now. I said you know, there's people that are praying. Lord, we just pray for the kids right now. <laughs> Bless them, Jesus. Eight years ago, uh, I was out for a run. had a real sweet season with God. It was just powerful. I'll run through it real quick. And, uh, we were interacting really close. I'll just tell you enough of the story to take you through it. Um, I had a moment with, with Father where he said, Jason, I'm, I'm, and uh, I'll, I'll give more on this at another time. But he said, Jason, I'm going into hiding, and I'm removing all your friends. And I went, oh, that sounds not, not, not a good idea, God. <laughs> I don't think that's right. You shouldn't do that. It's a bad idea. If I've ever heard one. That's it. <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't foreboding, if you will, but I was concerned because he was, he was very, it was very, a very serious moment. And he was as close. As, I mean, we were, so, we were so connected. We were so close. It was so wonderful. I was running this business, and it was so beautiful. And, but by the time I got home from this run, I had realized that God had something for me. And you got to understand, listen, don't get fearful. He never leaves or forsakes us, period. And I knew that. So that's the foundation of this story. If all of a sudden you're like, whoa, he disappeared. No, he didn't. But there is some hiding that he'll do to give you access to greater revelation. And I knew enough. I knew he wasn't going anywhere. He was with me. But I'm going to tell you, by the time I got home, I said, Jesus, your will be done. Like, I'm with you. Like, it's good. Okay. And over the next six weeks, all my, uh, we had a friend network. This might have been more like 10 years ago because I've been here 
we had a friend network, and they all began to move. And most of them I didn't even know. They just came to me and said, hey, we feel God called us back to family. Hey, we just got this invitation to go uh, be a part of this ministry in Texas. Hey, we, and it was like we had this beautiful community, and all of a sudden they were gone. Within six weeks, they were just gone. And I was like, wow. And, and here's the thing with, with God. It was like, and this is hindsight. I can only tell you this from hindsight. It was like he went into another room somewhere else in the house, and then he... And then he began to um, speak in a, in a voice and dialect I didn't understand, and whispering through a very thick wall. And this is hindsight. I, I, and, and it may be in Mandarin, which I don't speak. <laughs> I, know, I know like three words, like gu, uh, bu hoi, shi shi, which is dog, no thank you. I went to China, and I thought that'd be funny if I learned those words. <laughs> At one point, I remembered the word for cat, too, but I forget. Yeah. Within a few weeks, it was like, it, was, it really was, it was like he wasn't there. Now, I knew he was there, please hear me, and he was there. And this is the, be the, the I'm telling this story years later. He was there, but it was like he wasn't. It felt like he wasn't. I couldn't recognize him. I couldn't sense him. I couldn't know his presence. I would reach. I went through the steps, you know, like I just, uh, I was you know, discouraged. I don't know the depression. What is that? When you're lost, you know, I went through all the steps of loss. I, 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 I bartered with him. I was like, you know, I, is it me? You know, no. And I, but I, I, was, I was far enough along in my walk to know that there was something else happening, but I didn't know what it was. And it was two years. Two years. And in those two years, uh, that was the beginning of us going 18 months without paying our mortgage. We lost our company. We went through a whole lot of stuff in those two years. It was a rough two years. And I remember in that time, just uh, all the time going, God, I, I, you gave me this company, and now you, where are you? Like, I can use some advice right now. And it, I can't get anything from you, and I'm reading in the Bible, and, and it says, don't speak to a fool. And then it says, speak to a fool, and I don't know what to do. This isn't helping me either. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I remember, and this is in hindsight, I remember a year in. I can look back now. I can see moments where he spoke to me, and I can see moments where he was touching, touching my heart and speaking to me. But in the middle of it, I, it was all, it was just like I, was in, I was, yeah. couldn't feel him. Yeah. But I remember a year in. I was driving down, um, driving down to Charlotte with my, she'd have been two, three years old. So yeah, it was about 10 years ago. And, uh, and, and, and we, were, we, were, we homeschooled our kids, and we were driving uh, through a neighborhood, and she was yelling, Hakatan, 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 Daddy, Hakatan. And I was in the middle of, of crying out to God. I remember I was singing, actually, uh, Let It Be Sweet, Sweet, Sweet to Your Ears. Like, I was just, I was like, God, I'm in the middle. I was about to lose my company. I'm like, I just, I want my life to be sweet to your ears. Where are you? And I was singing to him, but I would stop to engage with my daughter. I'd say, yeah, honey, Akatan, Akatan. Now, Akatan, uh, for those of you who don't know, is octagon, which is stop sign. We were teaching our kids about shapes, triangle, square, circle, octagon. And so she would say, Akatan, and I would go, yeah, honey, Akaton, that's a red stop sign. That's an octagon. Yeah. And then we would go on, Lord Jesus, I love you. I need you. Where are you? Daddy, Akaton. Akaton, Daddy. Yeah, honey, that's an octagon. That's a red stop sign. 
That's right. You see it. There's another one there. An Akaton, a red stop sign. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I thought, you know, if there was anyone else except for my family in the car right now, they would have no idea that she was actually descri describing to me stop signs. That's because her and I were close. I was her father, and I knew what she knew, and I knew her language intimately. But along the way, I was teaching her mine. Why? Because she wouldn't make it through life with that language. She needed mine. And I had this thought while I was in the car. I thought to myself, God, if you're teaching me a new language, I'm all in. Well, that was the thought I had. It was a God thought. Here's the thing. I believe the church, and I believe this church, but I believe the church is going through a season right now of letting go of language that will not get you there. And that will not bring there here. And he is introducing us to his language. Sometimes you have to let go of this understanding to move into this. And if you stay here, you actually are cutting yourself off from what he has invited us into and what he has called you to. And you actually can't do it. What he was doing in my life in those two years, when we came out of there, the first thing he told me was how much he loved me. And it was the beginning of this journey. He actually told me, Jason, I don't want you to be desperate for me. I don't raise desperate kids. I raise sons and daughters who are confident in my affection. The first thing he ever told me, it was in, it was a, it was in connection to a message I've given here and given many, many times where I'd heard Graham Cook basically say, a relationship where a son is always desperate for the father is dysfunctional. And so I came out, I remember the first time he spoke to me, he, he, he actually reminded me of a prophetic, I remember, because I could take you to the place on my run where the presence of God, it was like an open heaven, and I got on my knees. I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first thing he said is, you remember that word that you got when you were, when you were uh, graduating college? You're, remember when I, I told you through the, the prophet that, you see yourself as a spiritual dwarf, but I see you as a spiritual giant. You remember how you cried and it was pretty embarrassing? Because <laughs> you didn't believe me? Really, it was the kind of crying that a slave does. Remember, remember that? And then he said, Jason, he said, I've been saying that over you every day from that day to this. I won't change my mind. You don't get a say in how I see you. Here's the Reformation. It's not about how much we love him. It's about how much he loves us. And when we live in response to that, when that becomes the foundation, we will see heaven become so manifest in our lives. And it won't be something we are doing something for. We will be operating like Jesus from. I'll close with this scripture. John 1, 32. Then John, this is Jesus' cousin, gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I love how Bill Johnson says it. The Spirit rests upon us. And then you walk day in, day out, aware of the dove on your shoulder. It affects how you walk. Here's the deal, guys. 
He doesn't call us friends. I love the passion. It says he never actually, he never called us servants. That language doesn't exist in heaven. Master servant doesn't exist there. I'm telling you it doesn't. It was introduced at the fall. I'm not talking about laying your life down in obedience, all that stuff. Yeah, we just talked about that. You do that from sonship. You do that when you don't understand what, what's going on. But you do that to step into intimacy so that you get access to this place here where you're no longer an orphan, but you're a son. You're no longer a slave, but you're a friend. You're no longer lost. You're found. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I just, I just want to pray over everyone in this room. I really do. I... I, I I feel like, I mean, I just feel the glory of God. I just feel the, the goodness of God. And, and the thing that I'm passionate about when I was sitting there, and I just can't help but do it anywhere. And when I was sitting there yesterday morning with these, these other five people at the table, we were dreaming into ministry. I love it. Let's dream into ministry. Yes, I loved hearing each of their hearts about ministry. But what I wanted most of all was that they all knew that everyone in here is a walking ministry and that your access to becoming that ministry is a discovery of the affection of your Father, the well-pleased that launches you into the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, manifest glory lifestyle, amen? The thing that we're burning for, amen? Everyone in this, in this room is called to that lifestyle. There's, there's, there's such a, a yes of heaven over this house. And so this is put our hands up. Father, we just say yes to you right now. We say yes to friendship. We say yes to knowing your heart. Yes to knowing the motivations of heaven. We say yes. We continue to lean in to the first being loved by you so we can live confident as expressions of your kingdom. I release a grace over this house and an increased revelation of who you are and how you see each and every one of us. I pray blessing and favor and increase and glory and glory and glory and glory and glory and friendship in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. amen.